Anyway, are we officially podcasting now? Well, it all depends. <laughs> we could be or we may not be. I don't know. <laughs> it all it all depends. So technically no, but who knows? It could be an outtakes. I don't know. It could be put in the introduction. I don't know. Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. This week, Bob Lofton of Safeco Podcast joins me. We start out discussing the behind the scenes of podcasting. We dovetail into Traveler, and we manage to ramble a bit. The free merchant ship is departing soon. I have enough credits to cover the low birth lottery. Sisters and brothers, it is time to get rambling. Hello, Bob. Hi, Jeffrey. <laughs> so, We're podcasting now. We are podcasting. It is official. So anything beforehand is non-canonical. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it may show up or may not. I don't know. It's hard to say with these things. All right. So I first became aware of you through the, uh, if I'm going to pronounce it right, the SAFCO uh, podcast. We, we actually call it Safeco, like the uh, insurance company. Oh, it just doesn't have the E, but it's pronounced like it has the E. Yeah, it was a joke. And um, I, so many times I have made a website or something and we, we name it as a joke. And then it ends up, it's not really like the most intelligent thing to have done, but then we just keep it because it's, it's that way. Um, I was afraid the insurance company was going to come after me uh, for and tell me I had to get a new name or something. But so far, so good. Well, maybe you ought to see if they will will sponsor the podcast. Oh, that'd be awesome. We all get free Safeco insurance. Exactly. Yeah, but so yeah, it stands. Um, it's a the name um, came from one of our games and a a few game a few sessions into our classic traveler campaign. You know, we we're trying to put some mild structure on it. And I said, you guys like should form a company or something. And Jeff, my podcasting partner, said, why don't we call it Super Adventure Friends Co.? <laughs> and that's where it came from. And everybody's like, yeah, that sounds good. Because no one wanted to come up with like a right like a, a serious traveler name for a company so um but once you made but, it an acronym it made it serious yeah it did it did so um we've kept the silly name the whole time and um that, and that's what actually that's what we refer to our gaming group as <clears throat> so yeah well what i find interesting is uh because when i started listening i can't remember if i i don't know if i started in the beginning but pretty close i believe when you started and um, you sound pretty, uh, pretty polished, pretty, pretty professional. Unlike the, uh, the, 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 the thing that I'm doing. Did you guys had, but you've had no experience podcasting before that? No, actually, we, I, I had had quite a bit of experience. So that okay. we weren't jumping in cold. I, back in, uh, it's been probably eight years ago. Um, I started a skateboarding podcast with a friend of mine in England. And so um, if you listen to the early versions of that, it's horrible. So I worked out all the bugs on that podcast. All right, I say all of the bugs because I'm always working on the audio. Um, I think I've got it pretty good now, but 
when you jumped into podcasting, did you actually know anything about like audio engineering or like no, the no. levels you needed to be at or anything like that? I kind of knew about levels. I knew you didn't want to clip. That's all I knew. That's all I knew. So my, what I thought was you want to get it as loud as possible without clipping. Yeah. And, and that's not necessarily the best way. And the other challenge is, um, you know, everybody's got different microphones that have different input levels. And um, if you're not sitting there with the person with your own mixer controlling everything, it's, it's tough. So I worked out the bugs uh, for the most part on the skateboarding podcast. And when Jeff and I started this, he got a relatively inexpensive USB mic. Um, he got the, the snowball and uh, it was fine. But Jeff has a very soft voice. And uh, then he started working from home and he got a microphone like this. So we use the same microphone now. So what is and the microphone that you're using? This is uh, an Audio-Technica AT2020 USB. So I've used it for, I've had it for years. Um, I actually have a really nice uh, microphone, uh, a Rode Procaster dynamic microphone that you'd plug into a, a mixer or an audio interface or whatever, but it costs like $250. And this is about 120. This one sounds just as good. I think it sounds better actually. I mean, it's a USB mic. So I, if I want to, you know, record more than one person, then I've got to resort to the mixer and all that, but I never do that. So this is totally sufficient. And, yeah, because when you start being in room with other people, I mean, I because I thought when I went to Game Hall Con, I had the the um, delusion that I would maybe record conversations with people, and I yeah. hauled this little microphone around and never did. And realizing wherever I'd went, the, the acoustics would be so terrible that with this particular microphone, it probably I don't even know I don't even know how well I'd pick up you know voices and disseminate it from all the background noise, and so I just. Uh, it never happened. Yeah. You know, at risk of driving all your listeners away with microphone talk, um, you know, you, you, you want a, a mic that has the right kind of, I guess they call it noise rejection, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like this one's designed to be spoken into from about, I don't know, four or five inches away. I mean, it is a condenser mic. So um, you get further away and it doesn't sound the same. And it's much more like that with a dynamic, unpowered microphone. And I go on and on about this. I actually, um, about six months ago, um, I'm a librarian. I'm a public librarian. And finally, they let us, the city let us do a, a podcast for the library. So I'm, I'm doing this at work, too. And that's a lot of fun. But we got, I got a little Zoom H4N. No. H6, yeah, H6, handheld digital recorder. You can plug microphones into it and it gets, it's like such great recordings with this thing. And it's great because we just put everything in a box and go set up at one of our buildings and we're ready to talk to people and it, it's really fun. Anyway, microphone talk. Well, this is, this is all for, uh, <clears throat> new to me. So the question I have, well, not new, uh, just a little bit more than new. Um, the, uh, so, so for your microphone, uh, is there, so there is something going on between your microphone 
and the input to Zoom? Are you using like Audacity or something in between the two, or is it straight from microphone to, uh, to straight Zoom? From, straight, straight from microphone to Zoom. I mean, this, this condenser microphone, you know, uh, it's a USB, plug it in and uh, select it as the audio input for whatever application you're using. And you get plenty of volume. You get, a, I think, a pretty rich sound and, and it works quite well. Whereas, you know, if you're using a mixer, then you've got to plug into the mixer, then the mixer goes into the computer and there's all sorts of opportunity for noise to be introduced and chaos. And, right. Uh, and you just have to, you have to know a little bit more what you're doing with that. Um, and, but even now, like with our podcast, um, I've, I finally understand the levels a little bit better. Like I learned this at work actually. Um, and so I try to record now where Jeff and I are both at about negative 12 DB, uh, peaking at about negative 12. And that way I get a decent sound and I can boost it a little bit when I'm editing, but um, it's, it never clips that way. But we did have a guy, um, you might've seen, uh, we had a, a listener comment that like some episodes back before I knew this, it was like way too quiet. And I listened to it and it was like, he's right. Like you can barely hear us. You have to really crank it up. So I went back in and um, using uh, audition and, fiddled with it and, and got it a little bit nicer um but it's so a learning what is process audition? so what is audition now audition is the adobe creative cloud uh oh. audio editing and it's in some ways it's really overkill for something like i do because it's you know it's professional level audio editing it does a million things that i will never do with it but it's really good obviously and it, it'll, it allows me to just run a couple of processes um, that I've learned at work um, to first normalize the audio and then compress it. And I've got the right settings now so that everything kind of comes out nice, nicely. And it, it helps equalize my voice with Jeff's, which has always been a huge challenge. Because um, one reason that those ones were so quiet is that I was trying for my voice to not be blowing people's eardrums out. Right. And then, and then, but then when Jeff comes on and you can't hear him very well. So um, yeah. Um, now what we do um, <clears throat> for all these times, we had just been recording Skype conversations. I've got a, an app on my, my MacBook here called audio hijack that you can record any audio from your system on. So Skype conversation, record into Audio Hijack, and then dump that into usually GarageBand to edit. <clears throat> and then uh, I got Audition. But you listen to Gaming and BS? No, no. Okay. Well, and I'm, not, I'm, and I'm not sure why I don't. Really, um, I, I listen to just a few podcasts. I listen to yours. I listen to Gaming BS, both of those pretty religiously. And, I've, and Sean at Gaming BS is... A, a technical details freak. And so I was asking about his setup and how he does things. And he told me about this system called TriCast. It's T-R-Y-C-A dot S-T. That's the site. And it's a cloud-based 
recording system for podcasts. And it's kind of like, you know, you just send your, whoever you're going to talk to a link and they click it and it, they show up on your episode page and it tests their equipment and all that. The cool thing is it keeps two channels open. So like when you're talking, excuse me, the quality might not sound that awesome in your ear, but what's happening behind the scenes is it is, rec it is recording their voice directly from their microphone into their browser cache and then periodically uploading that to TriCast and storing it there. So instead of like recording like internet audio, you're actually getting really pristine audio from their microphone that goes up to TriCast. And then when you're done and you go into editing, it's just like you're in an editor and you see a different line for each speaker. You can adjust their levels independently and then click mix down and it puts it all in one file that you can download. Or I mean, you could download the separate files too if you wanted to do it yourself, but it's a lot easier on their system. And since we did that, I, that has solved so many of our problems with levels. So how much is TriCast? <clears throat> it's $10 a month or something like, it's not that expensive. Yeah, so I've been a cheapskate. If you do Zoom, and you're only doing one to one. You can separate. You can record separate audios, and there's no time limit, and it's free. But you add another person, then then it's <laughs> it's not. And there's a number of there's a number of uh, other software. I looked at that initially. I thought if I was generating enough cash, uh, I'd maybe go with that. But at this point, no. So, um. <laughs> well. well I mean, the other thing is you, I know, obviously we're doing video here and you like to use video and TriCast does not do video. It's audio only. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter because you can, you can still be recording your video through Zoom and you yeah. could use TriCast. Now yeah. the problem with Zoom is it, it, well, I'll say the problem. Uh, the thing with Zoom is even though it's recording yours, I think it's, um, it's compressed. So yeah, I don't it, think I'm going to go quality. So your it, quality won't be as good as my quality. Yeah, I mean, I, I always think yours sounds good, um, you know, because, you know, you listen to some and it's like, wow, they, it just doesn't sound good. Even if the content and the conversation is really interesting, like, but if that sound quality is bad, it can be hard to listen to. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I agree. And I think one time I had an episode um, that there was buzzing in the background with one of the people. I didn't really catch it. And somebody yeah. wrote in, it's like, yep, you're right. And it's like, oh, the, the noise uh, filter, or the, what was that called? Noise gate. It's like, it's like, <laughs> and because I had separate channels, that's what's, what's nice. You do separate channels, you can, you know, pull out from, from one speaker to another. So a one's talk. So the problem is if you just do everybody combined, that noise gate may not really work because it's, if it's on my end, you're hearing it while you're talking where if you do them separately you can you can usually mitigate that a lot easier yeah and that was the problem i had with uh like using audio hijack to record a skype conversation everything's just in one file there's no no separation and um and it it, it was just a problem but uh are we rambling now <laughs> we are well, no we we are no this is the topic i guess anything past the first thing that we talk about is rambling because um I was wanted to tell you, um, I, so full disclosure, honestly, 
I'm not mad about this at all. I think it's, I, mean, I thought it was kind of hilarious, but um, a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, I was like, I wonder if I got any reviews on Apple. So I looked at Apple podcast and looked up Safeco cast. And like the first review I said was nice guys, horrible podcast. And it, it, he says um, that uh, they ramble on and on and they just ramble. <laughs> and then they talked, then they talked about how they ramble, but then they just kept rambling. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Jeffrey, like, at least you're like uh, truth in advertising, right? Yeah, it's right on the 10. I have, I have license to do anything as far as discussion goes. Yeah. It, <laughs> this guy was right, though. You know, I've listened to the Jeff and I were rambling. And also, he said it's not really a traveler podcast. And the truth is, it wasn't traveler only until about, I think, episode 16 or 17, I think. And we realized that we were just talking about traveler. So let's just make it a traveler only podcast. And that way we can really um you know spam it to the traveler community and get some listenership rather than just kind of throwing it out because we don't play enough different games to have kind of a general interest gaming podcast really um that's just the nature of the beast so, right now so what rev- so you got this review but how many stars did he give you i think one <laughs> a one so i had somebody I give me a one too uh very i think it's about the only one i had for the longest time was one. i, I ended up doing my own just to, to, to nullify that one but what made me <laughs> mad was like to give a one like if you really think about it, to give a one like you would have it has to be terrible. I can't, it can't just be, I don't like like you guys ramble to it. I mean, a one like that is the lowest. You can't go any lower. This is if you were talking about hotels, the lowest you can go is one. So that's a hotel you go into, the sheets are soiled, there's food on the floor, it stinks, yeah. the air conditioner doesn't work, and the place is full of, of lice. I mean, that's a one. And it's like, yeah. there's no like to just give a one. It's like, no, this is not right. There's this thing that happens on the internet, like where people just, I don't know, they just feel really um, empowered to slag people. And it, it just cracks me up like on YouTube, right? So you, you'll like just put, like I'm a skateboarder and I'll just post a video um, of, of me skating to share with friends, you know? And I, I don't like do the sort of, you know, splash page where you're like, you know, yeah. making the face and all that. And, uh, you know, you'll see these videos where somebody's just, it's just some, somebody sharing something and somebody's like so horribly critical. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really? It's just a hobbyist, you know? Um, but I, I mean, I hope that listener um, will come back and listen to some of the later episodes. Cause I think we did get better. I don't, I don't really think we ramble at all now. I mean, not, not that much the podcast can go kind of long but i don't feel like we really ramble well we, we, we have a set thing right well and i think i'm kind of so there's some that i've listened to uh, like most recently um they go on for like two and a half hours and it's like that's a little long but yeah. sometimes with certain people like i just it's kind of nice to have in the background and it's okay 
And then when they finally get to something I'm interested in, they'll listen to it. You know, and it's like, I think there are sweet spots. I do think that, I think really for me, anything over probably 45 minutes is really self-indulgent and uh, just bad taste for the throwing out on people and expecting to listen to. But I just don't want to, I just don't want to take any more time to edit it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, with us, um, we, tr we try to do a once a month podcast and we have failed miserably for the last few months because uh, Jeff got a new job and he's just been super busy getting up to speed on that and hasn't really left him any time. And then I've been displaced because of home remodeling, but we try, we try to do once a month. And if we only do it once a month, we've got a lot to talk about because there's, if you look at the, like the entire traveler universe of, of people creating content with traveler, the different versions of that Cepheus engine and whatnot, I mean, there's just a lot going on. And and you know how, like you get on and you're just talking with your friend and it's fun. Right. I mean, I try, like, I really, I listen to every episode and I'm like, okay, is there anything I need to cut out? Like, is because one thing that bugs me on podcasts is when, um, and I've, I've heard like real, like broadcasting professionals or entertainment professionals do this where there's two or three of them and they'll spend like three minutes just giggling about something and like well i'm sure it was fun while it was happening for you guys but it doesn't add any um any kind of value to the listener's experience listening to you guys giggle for three minutes so like i try to cut stuff like that out but with jeff um with this podcast very different from the skateboarding podcast because um like we do not curse on this and like we really try to stick to business and um it's very like i I never have to like worry about, Oh, did we say something to offend someone or, or something right. like that? You know, like we just, we're very careful. Other, other than that. not talking enough about traveler. That's the only thing you can do wrong. Well, you know, I am um, in the early days when we were, we did some stuff about GURPS and uh, so we did an episode uh, and we were talking about, what was it? Um, homebrew campaigns versus published adventures of and of for any game and i made this comment that and my point was that even if my stuff like doesn't look as sharp as like a, a, a professionally published gaming module or maybe it's just not as good i'd still rather do it because I enjoy it. Like I, I enjoy the creative process and coming up with the stuff and I, um, and it's fun for me. And that's, the, that's what I like to do. And this GURPS guy who I'd seen online, he like super opinionated. He wrote like this treatise about how we are creators and we're driven to create. And like, he was really offended that I would have suggested that a published adventure is better than is quote unquote, better than like what I or you or anybody else would do. And um, I mean, I kind of wondered if he actually listened to it. Um, I think, I mean, I think he even said once he heard that, he just turned it off. And I'm like, well, there you go. Well, um, what I don't understand is how, I mean, you're, you're attracting passionate people like moth to a flame. Yeah. 
So me, it's sometimes like knock, knock, knock. Is anybody listening out there? <laughs> Say something controversial and you'll get, you'll get a response. You can, it's easy to troll. Um, and um, so again, like, I, I mean, I hope that guy went back and listened to the rest of the podcast because that wasn't our point at all. It was, we were actually in total agreement with him. Um, and, I, and I appreciated him at least listening to some of it. Well, um, wait a minute. I, I not to not to cast aspersions on this poor guy, but you don't need somebody like that. You know, if I listen to people and I'm like, you know what, I don't agree with them. Rage is not one of the emotions that come to mind. <laughs> I don't feel blood <laughs> boiling inside me. It, it doesn't get close. It's like, you know what, I disagree. I'm on this point, this point, and maybe I'll write a letter. Maybe not, but never to the point of oh, I got to stop listening because you know what, your view of creativity and my view of creativity don't align. And we must have complete synchronicity in this. Otherwise, you're a heretic. Well, the, you and I have had like a little bit of an online like text chat about this, like this, this topic of um, like people who they get really upset if you don't game the way they do. Like yeah. this is a thing that happens now, right? Oh, yeah. And uh I just before I go on, I just want to say I really appreciate you having me on because um, you've had some really um, heavy hitters on your show. Um, the episode with Tim was like really something. It was really fun to listen to. That's one of those like I you could have had like a four hour podcast. I would have listened to every bit of it. Um, but um, yeah, so. I mean, I, I'm a guy with a microphone and we play, you know, uh, hopefully once a month. Um, and we just enjoy talking about Traveler. And I enjoy, like, I enjoy the interaction of, uh, of the podcast with uh, listeners and everything. And I'm actually uh, an introvert. And I think this is kind of like, this is the way I like to interact with the community out there. Yeah. Well, and I think too, and I've, you know, maybe have lamented. Um, I think people who find a niche and uh, work within that niche, um, definitely it works in their Like for instance, uh, the Cephas engine by far, I think because you're doing Traveler and Cephas engine, there's a pretty strong community. Yeah. And that pretty much, I don't want to say, it definitely helps uh, growing your podcast, growing your your recognition. And I just can't stay, I can't, just can't concentrate on one game system long enough to really want to keep talking about it. Well, that's funny that you say that because I can't concentrate on more than one game system. I, it just doesn't work. Like um, the last uh, couple of weeks, I've, I've really been looking over my GURP stuff. Um, and uh We've, we're kind of in the, for like four years, we've been in the middle of this GURP story. And well, what happened really was we were in the middle of it and we started playing Traveler and I was just having such a good time with Traveler. I didn't want to stop and I don't want to stop, but I feel like I, I want to go back and finish up this storyline that's happening in our GURP cyberpunk game. And uh, it's hard for me to like have more than one campaign on my mind at once. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, 
and I, I think the thing is you, what you're doing is much longer. So the games we play generally don't is maybe five to eight sessions and it's something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, um, I've listened to a couple of podcasts. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I think, I think it was role play rescue and he was talking about like campaign duration and his, uh, he was saying he has this inability to, as a, as a game master to kind of focus on a campaign for more than like really two or three sessions. And he's, I guess he's kind of come to accept that. Um, whereas like in my mind, if I start a campaign, it never ends like that. I I don't know why that is. I think it, like when we were growing up playing D and D and traveler and some other stuff, it's like, now you start a campaign, you may leave the campaign for a little while, but the campaign's still going. It's still there. Well, I think when we play D&D is that there was no true campaign. All we really did was we had a variety of characters that could show up at any time. We'd play a variety of adventures that would be unrelated. There was really no central map to connect them. We just, but yet in a sense, there was continuity, but there wasn't continuity. It it is kind of strange. That was um, like, I think when we started um, playing D&D and that was the first game, like my friends and I started and I was a late comer to that. Um, but that's kind of how we did. And then uh, I started like a particular closed campaign and this other guy, Brian, did the same thing. So eventually we had two, we sort of had these two campaigns that were you know, with specific characters for each player. And then we had the big campaign, which is where we kind of threw in our, you know, our Monty Hall dungeon style players, you know, characters. Um, and uh, those were the, the characters that could kind of show up anywhere, you know. Um, but even those, I think we had a little continuity because it, it was always the same characters. Um, you know, we didn't go on. It wasn't like we have... Uh, everybody has five high level characters and we just pick which one you're going to play. We all had like one really. And we played them all the time. I think we tended to have maybe like a couple of our characters we really wanted to run. And then we usually took along a character who we wanted to level up. (laughs) (laughs) You need that one in reserve, right? Well, no, it's like, well, we need to get this guy jump started. You know, he can he can ride off the tail so you can maybe put a a third level guy with the fifth level people or, or whatever it may be. And uh, so I think I, I don't even know really that there was any sort of continuity. I think later on, I think I ran some <laughs> longer games, but much later. Yeah, but, uh, but um, it will probably was was more to adulthood. But I also find that if it seems like players depends on the play I, well the players change that's the other thing <clears throat> so i went from people my age to then uh, gaming with people that are much younger and now it's kind of starting to go back to older people again yeah well i um we, i played in high school and then um in high probably i i think it was probably my uh when I was in 11th grade, I, th- I think is when this was, um, champions came out. Oh yeah. 
And we just, we thought that was the greatest thing ever. And we, we almost dumped everything else. We still played some D and D, but champions was it for years. And then even when I went to college, when I got to college, my theoretically randomly determined roommate had a box with like every RPG ever made at that point, which was 1983. He was really into uh, RuneQuest and the uh, Stormbringer version of RuneQuest. And uh, he had Superworld and a few others, but we just played Champions. And um, I played that through college. And then I got out of college and um, after a couple of years out of college, I didn't game at all, like at all until 2015. Um, I always thought that I just didn't have time because it is a really time consuming pastime. Um, I thought I didn't have time. And uh, it wasn't so much that I didn't have time. I think it was just other it's just like other things going on, you know, and um, uh, having to set priorities and stuff. And now like I'm, and by, by 2015, I was like more at a place in our life, in our life, like me and my wife, where it's like, oh yeah, let's relax. Let's do some things that we want to do. Um, and also this guy, William, who's um, an old high school friend moved back to town and he, he had this really amazing homebrew D D world i think he was running he'd been running it in 2e and he posted a bunch of the stuff online and i was just really inspired by what he did and so that's i got i was like eh, what i don't know what i want to run and so i decided to do gurp cyberpunk so i got all the gurp stuff and got geared up for that i'd played a little bit i kind of knew the system um so why'd you choose that over the hero system <clears throat> Um, I was, I don't feel like hero system for me. I don't, I don't feel like it works for me in a non supers. I've heard people state way. that. I think there might be some rights that, that, that GURPS works better at the more of the lower level and champions works much better at the higher levels. Yeah. I, and I'm not saying you couldn't do it. Um, obviously you could. And, and especially like, I mean, all modesty i'm really good with champions like i can design what i need to with champions much better than i can with gurps but the power levels are just not quite right like i don't feel like in with champions when you get down toward the like characteristic scale of you know 10 to 20 which is normal human um i just don't feel like there's enough differentiation uh there um although champions is great because it has you know, it has a lot of skills. Um, and I actually, I like a long skills list. I like, like for this kind for like a, a cyberpunk game, I like for people to go, okay, I've got stealth and I've got this and this and this. I think the problem with the champion or with the hero system to me is that with the long list of skills, it's like, it becomes, it becomes more costly to be a skilled person than it is to be a superpower person. For sure. And so Batman built on a thousand points really is just, him getting skills that you'll never use in game as yep. opposed to if you're yep. Wolverine, you're going to be a monster. And it's like, it's like, 
that to me, and I think you could, there's fixes around it. I think instead of doing specific skills, you can probably start generalizing more, like just say, okay, there's a science skill rather than, you know, yeah, you know, cyber nuclear biology or whatever crazy thing you want to come up with. Yeah, science skill. I'm Reed Richards. I'm Mr. Fantastic. I yeah. have science skill. Really, what science? All science. Yeah, Everything. exactly. <laughs> and I think what happened for me early on, especially with champ, because champions or with the hero system, you can uh, you can emulate just about anything. In fact, there's been people on the hero system boards that would say, "Okay, write up um, a sink, write up <laughs> right. a cone." Right. Right. And they would do that. And you could see, okay, you could logically go through and realistically model, I mean, realistically model, but you could create anything using the advantages, disadvantages, and, and powers, you know, and maybe, but I think the problem is, is it also tended to create a very, um, I think, an overly structured look at a superhero and kind of takes away from the way they feel in comic books, you know? It's yeah. Like, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there, there's some, some things that champions I felt like didn't do well, not a lot, but so I, I never thought that it did a great job with like a character like Iceman who could create like ice structures and like really, um, you know, do, wild things with ice you know i mean you can go okay i'm gonna get entangled and that creates like a block of ice right and then we never thought about like oh maybe that you should have a skill called shaping ice shaping or something like that and like combine it with that or i don't know how you would really do it um but for for a lot of you know for a lot of powers it it, it works really well um i was really happy with uh when i got champions complete a couple of months ago um i thought some of the changes they made to the system were really good um they reduced the endurance cost for using powers by half and um i thought that then and then they made the advantage of reduced endurance a, a lot more effective too there's just a few things they did that i thought were were great the, the game for supers that i think is um like I don't think I can run it, but Jeff D's Mighty Protectors, the 3.0 villains and vigilantes, um, it handles stuff like ice. It, like it actually has a power called shaping, where you like you shape ice or like Green Lantern ring constructs, stuff like that. Um, it was a little hard to wrap my head around that game at first because, like you know, with champions, everything's a D6, right? And they said, okay every d6 is twice as powerful as the one before it so you kind of understand the scaling yeah so the way jeff d did mighty protectors is actually ingenious but it doesn't it's not as intuitive so i'm going to see if i can do this without butchering it and if jeff hears this <laughs> jeff come on the podcast and explain <laughs> it man um because i love jeff d but uh so the way they did it is it has to do with average damage or average effect. So um, you spend money, say, on Power Blast or whatever they call it in that game. And depending on how many points you put into it, you get all, all these sort of oddball 
combinations of dice. Like I'm, I'm just going to make this up off the top of my head, but say like with 20 points of power blast, you have one D four plus one D eight. And then with another level, you have one D 12. And then the other one is, and the next one is like one D 12 plus one D four. It's crazy. But what they're, what he's doing is looking at the average damage of each level. Um, but it makes it hard to kind of go, huh, is that better? I, I don't know. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> so, but it's, um, it's, it's still kind of ingenious and I think I could use it. Uh, I just couldn't play it the way they do. Like I watched, uh, he has a bunch of videos up of actual play. And when you see him running the game, I mean, you know how it's like when you get into champions combat and you break out the hex map and it gets oh, very, yeah. very detailed, right? So it's like you have like a two-hour combat. That's kind of how it was. And I'm just not really into that anymore. Like, I think I would blow my brains out if I had to sit down and like actually, you know, okay, no, you, you're, you're one hex too far away. Like, I, I just don't have that in me anymore. I, yeah, I think to me what happens with the champions is it's the minus one per three inches, or it could be you got the modification that's minus one per four inches, or you got the modification that's minus one per five inches. That's where the granularity, I think, kind of gets. I don't really mind the cutoffs, but it just, it, 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 all of a sudden you can't just use one ruler, say short, medium, long. It's now, it's like, yeah, yeah. You got to get the tape measure out and you got to do math. It's like, this is great for a war game, bad for an RPG. Yeah. And, you know, I, we played it enough that like with champions, at least I can do all that in my head, like no problem still. It's just part of my, my brain now, but I, I don't think I'm up to learning VNV 3.0 to the degree I really need to, to make an enjoyable game session. I think I just struggle too much with the combat. That being said, like I'm kind of working on a, a champions campaign for my guys. Um, Cause I, th they all want to play. The challenge is like, I want to do something that's not, you know, like it's just another superhero game, right? I, I want to do something interesting with it. And I'm kind of running into some mental roadblocks there. I'm not sure what I want to do. Um, okay. So why don't you just mash two incongruous things? I don't know. Like, uh, well, like they, they, you know, like could be, uh, you know, like say, like say supers in the 1930s, or it could be, you know, or it could well, be supers, but in a, in a fantasy setting. And now you are the new gods. So what, what, I, what I think we're going to do is very similar to that. Um, it's kind of a mashup, but probably none of my, I don't think my, most of my players don't really listen to podcasts. So Jeff might hear this, but that's okay. He'll keep it on the down low. Um, one of my players is one of the guys I played a lot of champions with in high school. I think we're going to share a campaign and it's we're, we're like, we have this outline um, where there's some time travel involved and like eventually the characters end up going back in time and probably probably because we're not going to railroad it. They probably create the event that gave them themselves superpowers in the first place in the future like something crazy like 
that makes no sense if you really think it through, but it's comic book logic. Um, but that, the, the reason we want to do that is because he wants to do, he wants his part to be like 1930s. So we'll see how it works out. Um, I think we're going to probably, this is one we're going to do in person though, when we're, we're we get back where we normally, we have been playing at a game store a lot, but I think we're going to probably start gaming at one of the guy's houses. Um, we're going to keep the, the traveler game online because we've got a guy out of state. Um, but um, that's, what, I mean, with, with the GURP cyberpunk game, the other reason I, I picked GURPS, I, I liked the, the power scaling for the cyberpunk game. Um, and, you know, I picked up the old third edition cyberpunk book. Um, and uh, I, I don't know, I just kind of wanted to use GURPS for this. I, it just seemed like the, the system to use. And we don't play like, uh, like the GURPS heavy tactical combat. We... Um, do kind of between that and GURPS light, I think. I mean, when I say between it, um, we do GURPS light. Uh, we don't stress about like every minute detail unless it's really critical or unless like if one of the players wants to try something from like, like really technical, like tactical combat, cool, we'll do it. I'm just not going to default to that where it slows the game down a lot because this isn't a combat-oriented game for us. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and at least you can you can kind of play play around with those those dials too with that system. You know, where other games you're you're locked in. It's yeah. just part of the it's part of the the recipe. Now the the challenge was like because GURPS is a point by system, my players kind of they automatically. Un- kind of understood how to do it after years of playing champions. Um, but building stuff in GURPS is a little different. Um, and also the fact that the stuff is spread out over quite a few books, like, you know, um, you know, they, they all bought the GURPS books. And then I, I bought, GURPS Ultra Tech, which is has a bunch of like cybernetic stuff in it and whatnot. And then I've got the third edition Cyberpunk. And it's funny, like I see people like, how do you convert third edition, blah, 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 to fourth edition? I'm like, I mean, I never answer this, but I'm like, you just do it. Like, I don't even worry about it. Like, it's, I'm just not that much into the details. Like, yeah, I need to add another plus one to this weapon. So to make sure the damage scaling is all the same because man in GURPS like if you take a gunshot you're hurt right you know um so yeah that's kind of why I picked that over over hero system um I think I also had like envisioned that I was going to use GURPS only like for everything and then that when we started playing Traveler that kind of um went down the tubes because i was just like i just i like traveler a lot um and i'm not totally sure why i mean we use we use the 1981 version of the little black books and the traveler book which is all of those really just compiled into one book yeah i think i don't like the skills i don't like the skills i think if i were to do traveler 
I would do stars without number. Fair enough. I, and the skills are like, you know, we, we've talked about, yeah, do we want to port this over to Cepheus engine? Because the, the skills are, the skill list just makes more sense, right? Like, cause an original traveler, you can have like with gun skills, right? You can have skill with a revolver, but you don't know how to use an auto pistol. Right. You know, like, eh, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really make sense except that also in original traveler, they tell you that um, player characters automatically have a skill level zero, which is no penalty with any weapon. So like, yeah, you can, you can pick up a weapon and use it with no penalty. I like the way they do it in some of the later editions now though, um, where it's just like, you know, you have slug thrower pistol, slug thrower rifle and whatever it is, you can just use it. But, th but to me, this is where it also kind of breaks down. <clears throat> so let's say you're talking about slug thrower versus laser. Now, they're both sticks that you just aim at somebody and pull a trigger. Yeah. And if you can, now, now I can understand if you say, you know what, you've got skill in laser, but there is no, uh, you know, you're going to have to account for elevation or for, you know, uh, drop over distance. So maybe you have some negatives being a slug thrower but my yeah. goodness if you can if you can if you can fire a rifle a normal slug throwing rifle you should have no problems using uh shooting a laser yeah yeah i haven't thought about that that's true yeah like, why, so... why are we going through all... now what i could see is if you could say you know what i am good at w weapons and then maybe you pick one thing that you're especially good at yeah. like i'm just really good at pistols i can shoot a rifle without a problem but really it comes down to I'm very comfortable with pistols or vice versa. You know, that makes more sense than just saying, okay, you pick this one thing. Like with hero, it was kind of nice in that you could, you could buy classifications like yeah. three points in one thing or five in a category or 10 overall. But you know, there's a still a point where that's just kind of like, I don't know. It just, it just it seems odd. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What, I don't know. What, I don't know what the answer really is, but uh, I think that's I when you get the more granular systems, that's where it gets, starts getting to break down at that point. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I also don't know, like, you know, it's a game and you're kind of picking your degree of simulation, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, like you just decide what works works for you um, in the game because um, like now in our Traveler games, I really, I try so hard to give every player character during every session an opportunity to use like one of their kind of weird off skills right that like vac suit yeah like vac suit or <laughs> you know we've gone on and on about steward skill right yeah <laughs> but um you know i you know what i was going to say i thought of a little while ago when you know we were talking about going when we first started playing champions the thing that was so great about champions to us aside from all the things that were i thought were really brilliant in simulating comic books like breaking out stun versus body and right. physical defenses and resistant defenses just the fact that you could design the character that you wanted was huge because i think you know we we had just really we had only played really D and D and traveler and we played like a little tiny bit of gamma world and boot hill and top secret but that was what we had played and yeah, let's face it, when you roll up those traveler characters, sometimes it's like, huh, does this make any sense? You know, like it's like it, it. So designing the character was awesome. 
now I really enjoy the random characters. Like I, well, I actually love burned. it. Now. It's just the thing. As long as you don't get burned. I mean, that's just to me is getting vac suit three after spending, <laughs> you know, all these years in the Marines, never dying. What do you come out with? I get, I get a blade. I must start with a blade and I get vac suit three. Really? And my buddy over here, scouts, he gets a ship. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, wow. The point where you're like, the, the universe is not fair at all. <laughs> I, I know. And I think, um, you know, like as the referee, like if somebody like rolled up a character and it's like, and they just hated, it's like, I, I'd be like, just roll the new character up. Like, I like the randomness, but sometimes, you know, it definitely doesn't work. Well, I and, think having a little bit more spread, I think Mongoose, I never really played a lot of Mongoose, but I think they did a little bit better job. I think they do a little better job overall in their approach to character creation. Yeah, I mean, and and as they should, they've had, what, like 40 years to get it right now. Yeah. Um, whereas like the original books were, you know, from 1977 and 19, I mean, they really didn't change anything significantly in the 81 edition. So, I mean, they were just trying to figure it out. And, um, but I, I do enjoy the randomness of it. And, um, you know, when our guys were rolling up, the, my original three players were rolling up. They, they all ended up in scouts. One guy wanted to do something else, but he, he didn't manage to enlist. And then he got drafted into scouts. And then uh, I think we've talked about this on the podcast, but like jeff's character just kept dying over and over in character creation like die 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 like he could not make a survival role at all so like he tried like three times and like every time his freaking character died so finally i just said look jeff from now on like when you're rolling up this next character i'm gonna let you stay in for four terms but each time you die, we're going to randomly reduce one of your characteristics by one, like you've been maimed or something bad happened. And so, of course, we we're rolling up that character and every term he failed his survival role and he's just like his characteristics are just going down. So that's why uh, his nickname is Lucky. Well, you could do a lot. So you could do a lot of weird stuff with it. You're right. You could also say, you know what, Jeff, you're, you're going to roll up this character, you're going to play him. But the survival role isn't for the past, <laughs> I'm going to take you out sometime and at least expect it. That'd be and fun We're both going to know. We're both going to know. Yeah. So <laughs> um, you, you're working on this machine. You're trying to get the drive going. You got electrocuted. The smell of smoke, your body hits the floor three sessions in. Okay, Jeff. But I know it like, you know, we had another, one of our other guys rolled up a character and it was, it was like an okay character. Then my friend, David, the guy I'm going to do the champions campaign with, he rolled up a character and like, we're rolling these characters up face to face. And, uh, our guy in the army, he, so he's like, rolls up his characteristics and he looks at the survival roles and promotion roles. He's like, this guy will do well in the army. And man, this guy is just stacked with skills. He's like four terms, easily survived because of his bonuses and just like just tons of skills. Um, I always tell people like if they if you guys run 
traveler, like classic traveler, I want to roll up a bureaucrat <laughs> from Citizens of the Imperium. Like I want to use that and like roll up a, a bureaucrat. Uh, so the, the nice I, thing. Then, then see what's interesting. I think Traveler was innovative in the fact that bureaucracy, even they even had adventure dealing with your, your ship stuck in customs and trying to get out. I think they were genius in what they were going for. It's just they never really provide the tools to adequately make that interesting. Yeah, I mean the the skills available to a bureaucrat character uh, maybe weren't granular enough, or I don't know. Like you know, you've got administration. That's one of the skills, and um, I can like if I had rolled that up when I was seventeen, I'd have been so bummed. Now I'd be like, oh this guy this is gonna be the best dude ever right like he's gonna be like you know a a, a traitor he was a former bureaucrat for blah 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 and you know you could you could have a fun story one thing i really like about the like traveler too that whole do they like do they call it life path now is that like the term you use for that kind well, of character generation? we'll say it is i don't know if it is but we'll declare it is so so yes that's what they call so, it yeah yeah Yes, that's we henceforth, <laughs> henceforth. Uh, um, I like it because um, you don't think, like if a character dies, when you bring a new character in, they're on a really equal footing with the established characters. Um, you know, you don't, it's, you don't run into the thing in D&D where everybody else is seventh level and your character dies and you've either got to let them roll up a character at sixth or seventh level, or you've got to like, just let them ride the coattails, like you were saying, and, and, and like, and then they quickly advance. Right. Um, and those are all fine. It just like, I, I like being able to bring a character in who's, uh, you know, maybe you don't have as much money, but you know, you're a skilled, you've, you've got your skills and all that. And I, it, it really just, it really just depends so much on the game master, man. You know, like if you've got a good game master, you're going to have a good time. <laughs> well, and the, you gotta have the right players. I think it's actually more about the right players. than this right GM, at least any game that succeeds on my part. Uh, it's, it's like, it's because you guys, the guys are nuts. It's like, okay. <laughs> well, you're right. Because, um, I mean, I do the best I can as referee in our traveler game or, you know, GM in our GURPS game, but no matter how prepared I think I am, I never think I'm prepared enough. Like, I'm like, oh man, I should have made a map for this or like I, after all these years of doing this, I still have a lot of, um, kind of a lack of confidence going into the session. But then when I sit down with these guys that I've played with for so many years and they're such good players, um, they just fill in all the gaps. It's great. You know, like it, it's, um, it's just wonderful. Like, and I always come out of the, the game going, wow, did I do that? It's like, no, no, we did that. You know, it's, it's really a, a cool thing. Right. Cause they can take it in directions, not necessarily in crazy directions, but they can also lead things in very interesting ways that you didn't, you would never have thought of, you know, I, you know, I set up stuff in that traveler game all the time. And I'm sure that every game master has the same experience. And I think they're going to do one thing and they do something different. And it's just so interesting and inventive. Um, I, I think our, 
one of our early traveler sessions, um, I had this situation where they like got back to their ship and some bad guys were at the ship, basically just, you know, making life miserable for some indigenous aliens. And I thought, well, the guys, they're going to start shooting like they're going to snipe them or something. Right. No, they um, they were they had a, they were in an air raft and they just like did a drive by. <laughs> and it, it was the funniest thing ever, you know, but I'm like, OK, I traveler has no rules for drive by vehicle combat. And I didn't have Cepheus engine at the time. And I'm like, OK, how I just had to come up with how I'm going to do this. And, you know, they drove by and shot, took some shots and ran one guy over and it was hilarious and fun and cinematic. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's kind of an inside joke that my team will run somebody over if they can. <laughs> they did the same thing in GURP. They just ran someone over with a car, but, um, but it gave me the idea. It's like, okay. I need to come up with some vehicle rules that'll work for this game since they don't really exist in classic traveler. Um, and I need to come up with rules that um, will work, but not be like really oppressive. You know, like I don't want to get into, turn this into like a tech. I don't want to turn it into car wars. Right. You know, like nobody, we didn't sit down to play car wars. We sat down to play a role-playing game. Yeah. And I think that's, that is kind of hard because it, it does seem like there is a lot of times things that are missing from these more technical ones where a lot of times, but I guess it's okay to try and force it, that force to become something on the fly. Some of the more abstract ones, I think, do a better job of handling that where you could say, okay, I'm going to use my driving seal against this person. Yeah. And then the result will be the damage. But sometimes the, the more abstract games are also maybe the less interesting for you know, people or for characters in a longer term campaign. I think if you, if you look at um, all the Cepheus engine chase and vehicle combat rules are pretty good. Um, the new, the new Cepheus deluxe has really good rules for chase and dog fights that you can kind of, they're abstract enough that, it could be like a speeder bike chase or it could be two submarines, you know, like the time scale is very abstract like that, but um, it has really good rules for that. Um, and it has good rules for the vehicles taking damage. So it's not um, <clears throat> for me, it has just enough detail that I feel like I'm playing a game and using rules and not just narrating something which is a big deal to me. Like, I don't, I don't like to be in the position where I'm just sort of telling them what happens. I like, it's like, I like to roll the dice and let the dice decide most of the time, but you know, I need to have like some structure in a system. Well, some systems can be more narrative. All they do is tell you success, failure, or something in between, but then you're determining it. Where yeah, I, I need a little more than that. Where you can say, okay, yeah, you guys just, just took, a, took damage to your front axle. It's barely hanging on. Uh, what's your next move? You're dri driving minus two now. <laughs> right, right. Um, but I mean, as good as I think those rules are from Cepheus Deluxe, um, 
I probably still use the ones that I made because I know them and they're, they're simple. And, um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of proud of them to tell the truth. Cause I think it's the only, it's the only like rules I've ever created for a game of playing that I've played that I thought really worked well. And it's something like I'm continuing to try to polish a little bit, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, but you know, like if you're going to play a like, especially a space game, man, you need, you need vehicle combat. That's like a, a, a big trope, you know? Um, yeah, for me, what's always been, uh, I've always been hesitant is space combat because the risks are so high or the stakes are so high. Oh yeah. Yeah. You do not like <laughs> in travelers, like you roll a 12 and your ship's destroyed or whatever, you know, like it's, yeah, you, you really don't want to get into it. And, uh, but that guess maybe is a good thing. Cause it's really not meant to be star Wars. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, you, you have to like, think about that right like because every hit your ship takes your accountant is screaming (laughs) 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 right we're in the red now boys we're in the red oh no we're we're gonna have to sell more grain on the next world or something to we i hope they really need grain when we land um or whatever we've got in the hold um and then i think you know going going back to adventure i think that's what's kind of nice what you can do a traveler is one way of looking at adventures is rather just not you don't pre-plan what's going to happen. You may just say, this is a situation that arise and you don't know what the outcome is. Yeah. You know, like all of a sudden you say, okay, there's pirates and this is what's going to happen. But the plan isn't, okay, they need to get these pirates to get the key to go to this in order to save this person in order to, it's like, forget all that. You know, these are things that happen. And I think after time or even trading, characters will keep doing weird stuff to people and they'll create their own problems. And all you got to do is fold it back onto them later on. Yeah. You, you say all you've got to do, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I'm that great with improvisation with these things. Like I, I, I have, I usually have a lot of stuff written down and I'll adjust things a little bit, but. Um, well, I'm saying is like, for instance, let's say they, they, they go to a planet and they, they create problems, with one group and become friends with another. Yeah. And then. And then maybe they come back to that same planet. Then all of a sudden there's a dynamic that's been created. And then they won't just say, no, that wouldn't happen. They're like, no, we set this in motion. Oh yeah. The, I love that stuff. That's, um, that's one of my favorite things about our traveler campaign actually is that, um, you know, we're on, I think we're going into session 23, um, which amazingly, I think that's probably, this is probably the longest campaign, both in time, in terms of how many years we've actually been playing it and how many sessions we've played. Like, I don't think any of my campaigns when I was young went, went very that long, probably 12, 15 sessions, something like that. But the guys, um, they don't kill everybody they meet. So you can meet people again and have like, there can be like an, a drama happening. They can re-encounter people or like as game master, I've, I've got the option, you know what, like if they're like really in a fix, you know, maybe one of somebody that they let off the hook 12 games ago shows up and saves their neck out of appreciation. You know, I love to do stuff like that. Um, they had a, a, an NPC that they, uh, wasn't in an enemy crew and they just, 
he didn't really love the crew. They, they bribed him and hired him on. And uh, now he's just out there in the sector somewhere. And then another enemy that they, they let off the hook and uh, she was joined the crew for a little while and then went her separate way. Like, it's fun to have things like that happen. And like, they didn't just go, no, we're killing everybody. <laughs> yeah. And then, then those people can come back later on and they could be a pot hook. All of a sudden you get a recall a message from the, the gal who went on her way. She's like, I'm in trouble. I need help. And they are going to be motivated to move heaven uh, and earth to help that person or whatever it may be, or the person that betrayed them, they got the goods on them. They're going to move heaven and earth to get to that person. And they created in, in their own playing those, those hooks. Yeah, I think that's the reason I'm like, I'm really drawn to these longer campaigns now too. like, I think that's why I just want this to go on and on and on because it just gets more convoluted and complex and more fun. And I, I love to go back and read, like I, I write up every session on my, my gaming blog. So I go back and read them from time to time to remember, okay, is there, is there a loose end here? I could go back and grab um, or just have the fun of remembering what the guys did. Um, so that, that stuff's all cool. Um, yeah, the, the, that's, I think that is kind of a, my, my attraction to that. Um, and uh, I don't know, hopefully we can continue playing this campaign for a, a long time. The, the biggest thing that we're like I'm doing right now with it is um, I'm modifying the practically non-existent character advancement system from <laughs> because you know like the original game right it's it's like every four years you can roll to improve one of your skills yeah you know, like it's really it's really chintzy right um and on the one hand i like it that the game's not all about leveling up i mean i really like that and i didn't until I started playing this and running it as an adult. I didn't understand how much I liked that. I didn't see the value. And now I'm like, no, this is great because like they don't have to kill every monster because they don't need the experience points. Like they can, you know, but it'd be nice to get something other than back suit three, you know, like rounded out with steward one or zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Admin one, uh, steward one, something like that. But, um, you know, they, Cepheus engine and I guess mongoose probably also has like a little bit more uh, generous system for that and I'm you know I think I'm there's, not... there's plenty of skills that you can reward people you can just hand them out you can hand out like candy saying you know what you get an admin skill yeah and they can use it and it's you're not you're not blowing up the game by giving somebody admin too over a period of time it's like <laughs> right, right oh my god what'll happen if they have admin too yeah ford observer i'm gonna give you a, a level of ford observer i don't think you, you ever use it but you got it <laughs> you are you are too powerful an administrator i can't you know this is this game is off the hook now that you have admin too um ford observer I love Ford Observer actually because have you have you listened to Felbrig's old Behind the Claw podcast? No, that, that we've talked. So, like, I really recommend that you go. There's like 33 episodes, I think, and they're maybe 20 or 30 minutes long. Um, and he actually was kind of my inspiration for getting Jeff and starting ours because 
it was such a good podcast. And then there, there, at least to my knowledge, there are no other traveler talk podcasts. There have been some actual play ones. Um, but I just like, okay, Thelberg's not doing this anymore. Why don't we do one? But he got me thinking about like this whole thing of um, he, he has an he has an episode where he talks about a character with one skill, Vaxuit one. Yeah. And he talks about the like what Vaxuit one really means. So I started thinking about this, like with Stewart and Ford Observer, like, OK, Ford Observer. Well, I think there are like sub skills implied, like if you're a Ford Observer. Now, I've never been a forward observer. I'm just guessing, but you, like, I think you probably have to be able to sneak around. Like, if you're at, if you're a forward observer, you don't want to get blown up while you're forward observing. So um, we've kind of like in the right situation, we kind of treat that almost like stealth, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're getting very liberal with your games here, Mister. I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> but I, th- I think you you have to like with Traveler, you really have to do that. You have to like with the original Traveler, you've got like these are big skills, and you because yeah. even in this game I played, um, I told you about this game I played at that con that like kind of went off the rails at the end, right? Right. But this guy was uh, he was a pretty experienced Traveler game master. And, uh, and he even started out the session because we had people who had never played. He said, look, if you want to use one of these skills for something, if you can make a, a, like a reasonable argument that the skills applicable, then we'll do it. Right. I mean, uh, you kind of have to do that. I think, um, yeah, and the thing I thought too is, you know, it was a different system completely, but you could say, you know what, in my mind, there is one way to open the store that's perfect. And that's, and you roll this skill, but any other skill you can do, you just have to justify it to me. It'll be at minus one. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to use my admin skill. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go and go search the records and see if I can find, you know, you know, the plans and whatever. I mean, in, in I think with the more story-based games, you can kind of justify that. And I think sometimes playing those different games, you learn how to kind of fold in rather than just thinking very linearly, like I must o- use this skill to open the door. Well, there could be, there could be seven different ways of opening that door. You could bribe somebody to open that door. You could, yeah. you know, electrically open the door. You could blow the door open. You could, you know, find a, a, a heating duct and bypass it completely. I mean, it's rather than thinking about, you know, like a video game where, this door will not open without this key, regardless if I have a bazooka or not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that kind of that's kind of like, you know, I remember playing D&D as a kid. And it's like, you mean like, I mean, I can't even try this. Like, no, no, you're a wizard. You can't even pick that sword up. You know, like, well, like you know, stuff yeah, your like whole that. world comes apart at that point. <laughs> yeah. Like, or, you know, like, okay, I'm going to, I got to get out of this pit. I. I'm going to try to climb up this wall. Is it, it's kind of jagged, right? Yes. Jagged. I'm going to try to, you can't do that. You're not a thief. You don't have climb walls. Um, I think they've kind of solved that problem a little bit, like with athletic skill or something like that. Like I, I don't know 5e very well, but me either. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think they might have addressed some of those kind of things. I don't think so. I think it's a mess. I think their skill system's a mess. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, that's, um, well, I think that's one reason I, I haven't um, really 
delved back into D&D at all because as you can probably tell, I really like skill systems and I like, uh, I like being able to present, I, I like running a game that's not like all combat, you know? Yeah, right. I, it's just, it's just more interesting to me. I've done plenty of that other stuff. I don't need to do it like that anymore. Well, it's, I mean, it's always fun to like, you know, pull the shotgun out, you know? <laughs> um, well, and I think I mentioned podcast before i i played in a somebody was running a uh shadow run game and i played a face and i was able to run the play the whole game but i pulled a gun out once and i regret having pulled that gun out because i could have ran that whole game solving everything with money yeah that's kind of fun right yeah I, i had very good talk skills and i had enough cash and i would just bribe people left and right and it worked quite well i was uh, building see, a business while i was adventuring see i i love that kind of stuff in our um in our cyberpunk game jeff's character and we have two jeffs so we have jeff jeff koenig who's my podcasting partner and this guy jeff lee who's one of our players and jeff lee always likes to play sort of the mentally unbalanced gun wielding guy um he's a really good role player though. So it's, it's, he always makes things happen. Like he's always the, an instigator, but uh, so it's Jeff, more like a Tarantino film where he he's fine with things go sideways. Yeah. He's the guy who'll make it go sideways. And uh, just, you know, my character's drunk right now and he acts like he's drunk in the bar, but he's the, like, he ends up causing a distraction that causes something else to happen. And it, and it, it all really works. Whereas my podcasting partner, Jeff, he really likes to play like the, the kind of fixer type, right? So his GURPS cyberpunk character has, um, he's not real high points, but he's got like fast talk. Um, and he, he has a list of all the odds and ends he keeps in his pockets, like dog food, <laughs> you know, dog biscuits, um rubber band like like any kind of like little odd and end that he thinks would be useful in the game yeah maybe there's some guard dogs i'm gonna have some dog biscuits you know he he's got a list of stuff (laughs) it it was also interesting because i find things like that very fun uh because i think the you know because there's the alternative have you ever played dungeon world no so it's a power by apocalypse based off of D, but you get a backpack and the backpack is five charges. Um, you just, anytime you want to use your backpack, you declare what's in the backpack. And it comes out yeah. after five charges done. So you don't have to create a list. Okay, I've got, you know, 10 spikes. I've got a torch. I got flint. I've got rope. I've got, I mean, it's like, you never have to list it. But anytime you say you want something, it removes a charge. And once those five are done, you're done. There's nothing else in your backpack. It's done. Oh, which is kind of nice, but I think the other thing too is where if you just have a handful of things, you're like Robinson Crusoe. You're like, how am I going to make this piano wire bubble gum and, uh, and some right. nitroglycerin work? I don't know, but give me some time to think about it and I'll come up with something. Yeah. Well, what you were talking about with that, uh, with Dungeon World, um, it's almost like having uh, like a variable power pool and champions. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, like you, you could do. Yeah, with charges. Like 
with charges, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'd forgotten about. Oh, yeah, you could give it charges. That, that reduced, and I'm I'm already going at now. That reduced the 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 real point cost. They keep the active points high. Got to limit those active points, or somebody might go crazy with it. Um. Yeah, so Jeff likes to do stuff like that. And um, I'm trying to think, like, our players. So Jeff, Jeff's got that guy. He has, like, no cybernetics. He's studying cyberdeck operation. Um, but, yeah, he's kind of the, he's like the underworld fixer. Like, the first game, he's the one who sort of brought everybody together. And then we've got one guy who's, like, a maimed former astronaut with cybernetics. One guy who's a disgraced sumo from Japan living in the Dallas, Texas of 2067. <laughs> um, and then uh, one guy who's uh, like a former. So, what is a soldier. sumo? What I want to know is so, this is so, what is a what causes a sumo wrestler to become disgraced? Does he become skinny? Like, <laughs> what, what, what is the thing that he does to say, you so know what? He wants you go to go to Texas. He um he has a chip slot in his head, and during a big sumo match in Japan, Randy made all this stuff up. Uh, he he had he was using a chip to give him an unfair advantage of like against his opponent. Like basically, okay. he, I think I think it was like he he could predict based on this other guy's fighting style. It, it enhanced his ability to, to fight. And so he's disgraced and kicked out of the, the league or whatever, and ends up in Dallas. And he has lots of fun, like his, his disadvantages, like was gluttony. Like, I mean, <laughs> so um, there's stuff in that game. Like I, the sumo character is great. Um, there's a few things that I've done in that game with NPCs that I think like if I had to go back, I was like, yeah, maybe I wouldn't do that. It was like, we thought it was funny sitting at our table, but I'm like, yeah, that wasn't like, that wasn't awesome. I shouldn't, we, we should like, I would, I would adjust this a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean, then we've got the one guy who's an ex army guy, corporate wars, nebulous corporate wars in the past. And he's a sniper and he's, this is the guy, this is the other Jeff, right? And he's got uh, like his, he's like the nightmare character from Champions. Like he has bloodlust and post-combat shakes and all this other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, in this, the, the arc that they're in now, he couldn't be in the first, at the first session, which I had planned like this whole thing that he could, that was going to bring the group together again but he, Jeff couldn't be there. So I, I had them um, like, he's completely insane. And he's been looking at this, like sort of uh, this encrypted information that has all this, like, like sort of like BS magic stuff in it. It's driven him nuts. So they found like his diary and I, like, I actually wrote out the diary. It's very dark and how, how bad he's doing, you know? And, uh, and, and then when they find him, when they find his safe house, they were afraid to go in because they know what he's capable of, you know? And um, it's just been, it's, these guys are the best, man. I, lo I just love my gaming group. Um, it's so, so fun to, to game with them. And uh, 
they're just they're just awesome <laughs> yeah it definitely takes a they are what creates the chemistry uh and uh i know with my group there's kind of been a transition and i think that's kind of created some some not like outward tension but you know the the younger people have have grown up on anime yeah and the older people haven't yeah <laughs> so if, if that kind of gives you any sort of clue so i think the you know because of school some of the younger people have have kind of dropped out and i've filled it with older people and then i think it's it's you know it's they kind of see it as the dad's game um more so so but to be fair it's can't fix that i mean and i had a friend who was playing we did a um we're doing a um doing a um coriolis game have you played coriolis no it's uh i think it's a great it it's a great substitute for traveler if you want something a little bit more i i haven't played like i, I haven't played anything man like <laughs> <laughs> i mean like i just kind of picked these systems that i knew and it's not like i'm opposed to playing anything else it's just okay i mean I'm, it's, it's getting the job done i've heard it i think i've heard about coriolis though it sounds it's, sounds it's really a love good. letter to traveler i mean you play you're like this feels a lot like traveler um the mechanics aren't the same but they, they are but it's it's a summer feel but anyway i think my one friend was expecting more of a um of a of a, a um i brought in more of a um uh, diplomatic more long-term more strategic where the group's kind of more i don't say murder hobos but it it was more you know it's less that so we switch you know we're in the midst of switching games so i think that will help rectify where his his expectations will, will be properly adjusted i you know it's funny i i don't know if i would if these guys weren't here in town, sometimes I wonder if I would even be involved in the hobby at this point, because um, I mean, obviously it was William and his return that kind of brought everybody back together and gave me the idea just to run something. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm really glad that they're all here. The funny thing is like, none of us have kids. <laughs> So it's you'd think we could play whenever we wanted, but right. still, but believe me, you can't. Life still kind of gets in the way and and all that. But um, yeah, it's a great group. Um, yeah, and I think that's really. I mean, we talk about fun, but I think that is ultimately the well, ultimately, but one of the huge. There's a huge social benefit to being able to gather with a group of people. Some of you know it well, some of you don't, and be able to have a good time and laugh. Yeah, it's, it is. And I, you know, I was telling my wife this, uh, it's probably two or three years ago, but um, of all my, like, I kind of have other than work and people that my wife and I are both friends with, like from college and stuff, I kind of have three groups of people that I associate with. One, my gaming group. Two, skateboarder friends. And three, um, I do Aikido. So I'm friends with guys that I've been practicing Aikido with for 15 years but of all the groups that i'm part of like my gaming group because like we all went to school together and we're all kind of like the same basic model right like, oh right you know i mean we have that we we're from the same basically the same economic stratus you know all of that like i'm like i'm just very close to them like um 
when challenges have happened, like in my personal life, like my mom had de- dementia, um, all these other things happen. Like they're the guys that I actually like everybody's supportive, but these are the guys that like, I really connect with a lot just because of the common interest and also the common background. So, um, it's been really good. Yeah. And I think, especially as we, you know, I think the world, the technology is more isolating, makes it easy to be more isolated. And if you're introverted or introverted tendencies, you can find yourself easier to isolate yourself than ever before. I think these kinds of connections are the things that are very positive and help us to hopefully, you know, go in healthy directions with our lives and supposed to just um, shrinking in like a turtle into our shells. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's nice to, for me, like gaming is a nice interest because it's my one interest that doesn't involve, uh, getting hurt all the time. <laughs> so, you, know, like, you don't come away with band-aids, you don't come away with contusions. <laughs> no, I mean, the, you know, sitting around the table with potato chips as is common in gaming, like in the long term, it not, might not be great for your health, but I don't come back with, you know, busted up well i will say that i have found that various groups that i've been in very social religious whatever um it's like when i go to places like game hall con it's like i actually i don't want to say i don't feel at ease at other places but for whatever reason it's like i know these people you know it's like regardless of who they are it's like we are the same kind of people and and we can be I think just a lot of times being gamers, at least the older gamers, I think, I don't want to say we have a certain profile, but there is kind of a profile we all fit and it doesn't necessarily always link up with the rest of the world. Yeah. I mean, cause you have like, I'm 57. I don't know how old you are. I'm 54. I'm so 55. yeah. So, um, you know, you get together with a bunch of people in their fifties and, like from 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 my generation of gamers, I mean, let's face it, it's it's mostly mostly guys. Um, I like the fact that there's more women involved in gaming now. But, oh yeah, but yeah, I mean, most it, it's um it's mostly guys from my history. But um, like you have that com. I think I think the thing that brings us together, besides like the fact that we like the games. Um, you know, you, you get at a table and you may have people with pretty wide ranging views on politics and social issues and stuff, but almost everybody at that table has a real creative spark and like, and they enjoy their imagination. And I think that's like a really uh, strong connection when people are imaginative and, and like this kind of stuff. Um, because not everybody's like that, you know, um, I, I don't, I don't really get people who aren't. Um, but I mean, I, you know, I have friends in skateboarding who that's all they're interested in. And, um, actually they're like, you know, I like anything that's like imaginative or like, it's just not their thing. And I don't, I don't get that. Um, I got to have I got to scratch that itch somehow, whether it's from gaming or something else I'm doing. Um, well, the thing is, I've, I've, 
I, I had this theory and the theory is when I started this podcast that everybody I have on this podcast will be interesting. Hmm. You failed today. People, but. <laughs> I felt well, yeah, except for this one. <laughs> and but I've done I've done the least, believe me. Yeah, but the uh, but I'll say is like I think in general, we are a type of people that we can sit down and have discussions with that can go on for long periods of time that can cover a wide variety of topics. And I think a lot of times having the depth or passion or um, span, just like, you know, nothing against my coworkers, but I cannot, I'm only, whatever they're seeing is just a fraction of who I am. You know, not that I'm not necessarily personality, but interest discussion, I cannot discuss many, many things, not because it's wrong, but there is no over, there's very little overlap. You know, we yeah. may find a thing, but it's just a thing, but where it seems like with other gamers, there's lots of things and it's not yeah. hard to find those at all. I'm, I, I think I'm very lucky in that, like, uh, my, my colleagues in the library, whether they're librarians or support staff, um, are, they're probably more like me than the general population is. Um, whether it's interests in music or, or gaming or, you know, obviously reading, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a really um, great group of people. So I, I, and I'm always very appreciative of that um, because I've, like I have, <laughs> Okay, I, I'm not putting down anybody who is into sports. I'm just like sports are not like televised sports are not my thing. I just I just like I'll watch the World Series. Like I like baseball. My I'm from a baseball family, but I couldn't play. And so I just like, you know, okay, cool. You you're into watching football. That's awesome. But like I can't talk about it. And when I say like we have that, like you go to a con and you you're connecting with other people who enjoy their imaginations. Um, I can't tell you like how many times I've been like in a social situation and you like, if somebody wants to talk about what's going on in football or something, like I'm, I can't talk about it with them. I agree. And, and I, and I don't like, there's just no overlap. Right. I, I mean, and I'll try, like, I'll try to find something else to talk about, but, um, it just doesn't really work. And then, and then there's the times where like, it's you, they, as soon as they figure out that you're not into it, you can see them plotting their escape. Like, how can I get out of this conversation? But I also find a lot of times, not always true, but like the people who are so focused on sports, like I'm almost just in anything else, but sports. If you want to talk to me, say, Oh, Jeff, I'm a, I'm a, a Marine biologist. Okay. I want to hear you talk or I'm a mathematician. I've been working on this. Okay. I want to hear you talk. Or you say, you know what? You know, I, I weld, uh, I weld, uh, you know, submarines yeah. underwater. Oh yeah. my goodness. Let's talk about that. But sports. Oh, I cannot care less, cannot care less. And my eyes glaze over. And generally I have a hard time with people who are real strong with sports, finding other things to talk about. Yeah. Well, that's because, I mean, that's what they're really into. And if you like, um, it, it it's rough. Um, 
<laughs> it's it's right you know and like i mean i i like i said i like i'll watch a little like I, i'll never basically i will never go oh my god there's this baseball game on and i'm gonna watch it tonight like i don't ever plan it out my wife's a a white Sox fan she grew up in chicago and she and that's like that's her thing she likes watching the white Sox. so i'll watch with her but i mean my wife is super interesting that's the thing like my wife just finished her phd uh, modern mexican history like she's interested oh, cool. in a million things um but uh you know she so i'll watch and i'm from a baseball family and i always hated it growing up um because i sucked at it but um now as an adult i kind of appreciate it more but i still don't make it a big point oh you know? yeah and i'm not gonna say that everybody who loves sports it doesn't love anything else but it just seems like a lot of times when we're put in those situations the people that are real strong in sports that's it's generally that's their main interest it's hard to find other things yeah i i wonder like um so i'm just brainstorming here i but um sometimes i wonder if it has to do with like there's like if you're into gaming whether you're a player or a game master or both or whatever you're into like that, whether it's art or doing, you know, there, there are people like if, if somebody is actually into doing something, then I can connect with them on that. Right. Right. It's hard for me to connect with somebody when they're basically like just talking about media that they've consumed. It's passive. It's passive. They're, they're not really a participant in it. And um so like if they if there's nothing else going on with them i have a hard time connecting with them but like you said if like if, like you're a welder that's amazing like i don't know how to do anything like that tell me how how do you do this you know how does it work i don't i honestly don't know or even you know we've been having all this work done at our house and i'm just fascinated to see how all the tradesmen do their work um, I love knowing how it all works. I've taken pictures of everything inside the wall. So I know where everything is and how everything works. Um, but it's just, it's cool to see like, even like their simplest techniques for like, I'm like, how the hell did they cut that piece of sheetrock so that that hole is in it at exactly <laughs> the right place for the light to, you know, like, how did they do that? That's nuts, yeah. you know? Yeah. And what would take me three hours to measure out 12 times, you know, they- And still be wrong. They'll be wrong. <laughs> it's like they grab a tape measure yeah. and a pencil and go zip. Yeah. Whoop, and it's, you know, I, I love seeing stuff like that. Um, I think, yeah, that, that whole thing of sort of being a participant. As I know we've kind of been talking a while, but there's, I, it made me think of this other thing. Um, so I don't want to get into like a, like, oh, I hate 5e thing. It's not about that. But I saw this thing last night on Twitter and I didn't really understand it, but they were talking about some, it sounded like, like some quote unquote new platform that sort of like uses crypto technology with a gaming league or something. It was like really weird, right? It sounded like it took everything I love about gaming and got rid of it and added stuff that I hate, like in general, but um, I was thinking about that, and um, 
I'm just, I like just kind of from like a business standpoint and I'm fascinated by the way Hasbro and wizards have marketed five E and because I, I, I see people and I talk to people who um, like they would never do a homebrew, right? Like it, it's, it's interesting because it's almost like it's uh, even though you're participating by playing the game and running it, it's also, it seems like it's moved a little bit more in the direction of being a media consumer than a creator. And it goes into like adventurers, like we're going to have adventurers league and you're going to run this game. And this is like, this is this thing. Yeah. And people can do whatever they want. And that's, that's fine. I can still pull out whatever game I want to do. And, and it's fine. It just seems like a philosophically kind of a different activity to me. When you start sort of like, okay, there's a league and this and that. Well, and I they've I always had tournaments too. I, I think what's where is I've, I've heard another person complain on Twitter with them changing the the way I can't remember which if it was the draw I can't remember somebody was being something was being changed and their idea was why it was so horrible that Wizards of Coast was changing this is that we all had a collective understanding and now you're creating a separate collective understanding that's no longer collective. That's interesting. And, yeah. And so I think what it comes down to is people want to participate in the meta. Mm. Where you and I don't care about the meta. I really don't care about Icewind Dale in the history of this and do that. But people say, I want to be part like Lord of the Rings. Very yeah. interesting. But yeah. I want to be part of that story. And so I think that's what they're looking to. They're engaging into a larger meta. I Yeah, I haven't thought about it quite that way. I think that's, I think that's right. Um, that actually makes a lot of sense because as much as I, I love Traveler and I love classic traveler i don't use the third imperium setting i mean mark didn't intend you to use it in the first place he didn't right. create it in the first place heresy, and I, man heresy you know so i don't and um so i don't i nothing i do is uh is like that so but yeah i think that that makes a lot of sense like oh you know i want to be part of the lord of the rings or i want to know all the details about this thing it's it's almost like being a fan of a series of novels and knowing everything about the novel that's how it seems to me like and I, yeah. then i want to and then i want to insert myself into the novel as this character which to me like like my my roommate in college had the chaosium stormbringer game and it was really cool yeah. i didn't see the point if i couldn't be elric like you know, like, like, do I just want to be some guy that Elric's going to kill? Probably. No, I just wasn't like, that wasn't interesting to me. I, maybe I just lacked the imagination to figure out how I could, well, how I, I think how what, could I enjoy that setting without, well, being I think what's right. hard is right. That's, that is the key there. How do you enjoy the setting? Cause I thought about the same thing about Hawkmoon, you know, great setting, but yep. how do you really engage with that? Because really Elric, even though you have all this other stuff going on, it, the story was definitely centered around Elric without really any indication how anybody else in the world lived. Right. You've got the young kingdoms, but just like all you learn is that, you know, Elric, you know, hates them and is going, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> and they do have a lot of, uh, they have a lot of uh, supplemental material they came up with. I've, I've kind of toyed with, I'm not really good with creating settings, but I've kind of toyed with the idea of creating some sort of 
um, like um, the uh, like Jewel in the Skull. Uh, the that is it Jewel in the Skull? Is that the post apocalyptic one? Jewel in the Skull is one of the. Isn't that one like the? Hawk is moon? that the first Hawk Moon? Yeah, I think that's the uh, first Hawk Moon. I thought about doing something like that, but it, it's but yeah, it's just like how. You can sell people on Elric, but how do you sell people on the setting of Elric? I don't know. Yeah, I totally like that. D that when I was in high school and we had the, those two D and D campaigns going. Mine was a total Elric ripoff. Like, uh, you're going to find the sort of like it's chaos, and it was just like I completely ripped it off. It didn't matter. We were having a good time, um, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, it was. I that was the only way I could kind of. I could do it. Um, so the only thing where you can make that work is to just do a ton of non-canonical things. It's the only way you can make it work. You'd have to create all sorts of scenarios, NPCs, situations, flesh out things that never were covered in the book. And in the end, what do you have? Yeah. I don't know. What, what do you have at that point? Yeah, for sure. I, so I don't know. I, that isn't, I, I really, um, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that though. That's really an interesting take on it. Like that that urge to engage with this whole world or whatever, this whole setting and kind of be an expert on it, right? Like not only that, you think about when you're going through Adventures League, which absolutely holds no interest to me either. But the idea is you're all participating in this thing and you can share stories of, hey, we, you know. You know, kind of wouldn't be unlike saying we went through the tomb of horrors. Okay. What yeah. was your experience with that? So I think it, it allows people to, to kind of share in that thing, even though it's. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, I, now that you put it in those terms, it makes more sense to me um, why someone would be want to do that as opposed to just making up their own stuff and having a blast with that. Um, that, that definitely helps me understand that a little bit more. Um I don't want to go do it. But... <laughs> we can understand it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. You know, um, so. It, it yeah. is amazing the number of people and what people come to, what reasons they come to game and what they want out of it. It just, it is widely varying. And I think most of the conflicts we have is just because we come at with different expectations. It is pretty interesting what you said about your, your uh, players. You've got like the younger players who, I mean, it sounds like they sort of envision things in a very anime way of like, Oh yeah. They just did the wackadoodle stuff. I mean, it's just like, you know, my, my, and earlier on with them, what was good is I learned what was mostly them to just let them do that. There could be consequences, but you know what? It's okay. You guys want to be nutty nut. That's okay. You know? And I think I became less of trying to create a rigid rule for the, that rules the, uh, that, that defines the world. And just say, you know what, we'll just roll for it and see what happens, and it's okay. Yeah, I, um, I've only run two games at cons uh, before. In fact, in the last, I haven't been to many cons, period. But since I got back into gaming, really at the end of 2014, when we had session zero of our GURPS game, um, I, I refed a version of my GURPS Cyberpunk at the North Texas uh, RPG con. And um, I think that my players were, they were not really representative of who you think goes to North Texas. I mean, you typically think of North Texas as like old, old guys. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, it was a young couple. Uh, when I say young, 30s probably. Really nice. And uh, an, an older guy who ran the Traveler game I told you about. And then a, a younger guy. And uh, I had pre-gens ready for them. And the younger guy picked out like this character. I can't remember the details of the character, but the character had uh, dreadlocks. Like that was one thing that I, I let them choose whether the character was going to be male or female. Just like, here's your character. You decide if it's, the character is male or female. And the character's got dreadlocks. And he's like, huh, can I have like a projector on the end of my, one of my dreadlocks that like projects holograms? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, why not? You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I mean, it's certainly um, it's in it's definitely in genre. You know, he didn't ask, you know, I'd really like my character to be, uh, you know, a genetically engineered giant chicken or, you know, like, <laughs> like right. I, I don't want to be Kung Fu. I want to be Kung Fu Panda, but I want to be in a cyberpunk game like, ah, so you don't really want to play cyberpunk, do you? <laughs> You know, um, so I was like, I mean, like, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, it's like, there's a point where it's like, yeah, let them let them do something that helps them uh, have a little fun with the game. And this guy didn't abuse it. I think he used that that gadget like one time yeah. and it was and it was really cool. It was a great idea. I wish I'd thought of it in the first place, you know. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I and I think, you know, and and it. And I still, you know, been mentioned before, I think it's it's the media we consumed when we were children, I think informs the style of game that we want. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was trying to think some of the stuff I, I was into. I mean, you know, when we played Traveler in high school, it was basically we it was Star Wars, really. I mean Oh, we played our, our, pretty straight, we played pretty straight in high school. Our referee, like, I'm not really sure he knew the rules. <laughs> um, we, I feel we started with D and D, but I started with these guys have been playing for about a year, I think. And um, finally I was, there were my friends, but I was just not into it. And finally I said, I think I'd be interested in this. Like, okay, cool. So I got into D and D with them. And then they called me one night and said, Hey, we're going to play traveler. And I'm like, well, what's that? And they told me what it was I say, okay, cool. So I walked two doors down to my friend's house where we're going to play. The one guy shows up and he's, he's got these weird little black books. I'm like, what's up with these little books? That is so weird. You know, like it's completely different than D and D. Yeah. And then you look at them and it's like, it looks like a technical manual. It doesn't look like a game really. And he had um, he the thing is he hung out with a group of older gamers who were really into it. And this one guy had written a computer program to just randomly generate like a universe. So he had this huge map and he had all the details of well, it. Which was really impressive back in the day. Oh yeah. I mean, this was 1980. Yeah. Was it on cassette tape? Did he have to do the tape? To <laughs> I don't know. Andy just had the map and the, and the details. Right. And when I say details, it was the, you know, the universal planetary profile. That's the details that Andy had, you know, available to him. And it was just a, it was a total murder hobo game. You know, we'd go to a planet and kill some people and then run away and do the same thing on another planet. And, 
almost anything we read in a science fiction novel, Andy would just make happen. Like we read the well world, some of the well world series uh, from Jack Chalker. And like, we, I mean, it's so, so juvenile. And we're like, Hey, Andy, I want to go to well world and become a centaur. Okay. You know, we would <laughs> yeah. do stuff like that. At least you guys didn't go to gore. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, so this guy was, um, so I say he didn't like, none of us really knew the rule. We knew how to generate a character. We never used the spaceship combat or any, any way. Um, but this guy was just brilliant at improvising, um, like super imaginative. I mean, you, you, you just never caught him as a game master. He was, he just never seemed like he was caught flat footed, you know? And, and it was amazing because we were young, but this guy's imagination was great. So, yeah, we would get together and just do whatever he wanted to with Traveler. Um, yeah, there's a lot of liberation. You know, you think about how bad it was, but in some ways it was also there was a lot of freedom and there's a lot of goodness about that. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, you're centaurs today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Go to Well World. Where's the Well World? Oh, I think it's right here, you know? Uh, or, you know, or when, like, our the way we envisioned getting away from a planet was not, okay, you need to get 100 diameters out. And, you know, it was just like, hit jump, hit the jump drive. Yeah. Boom, like, like Han Solo. Um, and, and that's the way we did it. And it was, it was, all good fun. Um, well, you haven't had physics yet, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing, I talked about the well world. I went back last year and I read the first well world book and I'm like, okay, it's really badly written. Like that, like it's funny because his, he had like great imagination. Um, some, some interesting ideas in the book, but like the prose is just, it's horrible, like horror. And then so I'm like, okay, I'll try the second one again. Cause I think I read the first two or three when I was in high school. Cause they were at every bookstore. Like they had really cool covers and stuff. Yeah. So people would buy them. And so um, I started reading the second one and like, I don't think I was 30 pages into the book before it had just become so horribly offensive. I couldn't continue. Like it was like within like the first, 30 to 50 pages he had introduced a character's overweight teenage daughter who was just sort of being like harassed it was just like and it was horrible horrible right, stuff right. you know and i was like man how did this ever get published it's insane how bad it was like um and and besides that like if the if the level of like if you're not offended by it might want to be because it was just ghastly <laughs> stuff if you want to consider yourself a decent human being you may yeah. want to consider that you ought to be offended yeah like who the, the guy wrote this was he like really into the, it was horrible well i but, will but, say too if you go to even like 70 songs there is a fair amount of oh yeah of towards teen underage girls songs aimed at that and it's like yeah very yeah. popular songs I'm like this is very creepy now. Yeah. The other thing about that book, I know like as an adult and I don't have a literature degree, like I, but even I could tell that like just the writing style was, it was just terrible. Um, you should have left it enshrined in your memory. 
you you broke the glass and you read it and it hit the oxygen and it quickly oxidized <laughs> it did man like um yeah it, it i mean i could go on and on about it and i mr chalker if you're still alive i'm sorry i don't i hope I you mean, repented mr chalker i hope you like, repented <laughs> yeah and if you liked the books um originally don't read them again just don't leave them enshrined yeah but they're perfect look and at the cool of, uh, yeah. look at the cool covers yeah exactly you'll do better just with the cool cover <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been doing that, trying to go back and reread a few things and actually not even reread, but I've been going back and trying to read like sort of classic science fiction from those days that I, I missed. Have you read Down Below Station by, uh, how do you pronounce the name, Cherry, C-H-E-R-R-Y-H? I'm familiar with the author, but I haven't read that. Oh, that's so Traveler. It is so Traveler. Oh my I'm goodness. Down below, down. down below Station. What what I is interesting to me, like um, so I got into science fiction as a kid. The first thing I read ever read was the first Doc Savage novel. Yeah. And so I when I that was probably I was in sixth grade and I just started reading those and I've I've probably read like 70 of them. And so it's like pulp science fiction superhero stuff. The author was very um uh like he recognized what he was writing and um he just kind of i think he said something i just churn out crap yeah, basically yeah. <clears throat> but um so you know i started reading this series uh doomerist of terra it's like a 32 or 33 book series the books are like 250 pages yeah not super long uh, English author. And so they're, they're, I mean, they're definitely like pulp science fiction, but it was interesting because I was reading them, like, even though they adhere to that kind of pulp uh, technique where every, every book kind of repeats itself a little bit because you want them to be able to pick up any book and start. Yeah. Um, they're pretty well written, actually. Um, now, are there any female characters of consequence? No. I mean, it's about right. like a strong-jawed hero. It, it was there... hard back in those days to, to, to do that. I don't think people were... I don't know what, what people were thinking. I guess thinking that they weren't necessary, women weren't reading those books. I don't know what the deal was. I mean, I say there are char female characters that are important to the story, but they're, they're also... It's like if Earl falls in love with a female character you know she's going to be dead by the end of the <laughs> book <laughs> you know like <laughs> that so uh but they're they're really fun and they are um so much of traveler comes from those books like oh yeah yeah i mean when i said down below is like traveler i mean more the technology and kind of the vibe oh i totally want to read it now yeah but the the main hero is, okay so this book was written by a woman when i say it's obviously written by a woman is because it is a much more interesting, complex relationship <laughs> issue. Not just like lovers, but I mean, the relations of people and how they interact. But the main hero is a pregnant woman who oh, wow. doesn't do, I mean, it's just her influence. Interesting. See, there's um, there, there's a, one of the Doomerous novels really made a big impression on me because in that particular novel, 
there's a lot of description of what Earl is thinking. And I'm like, hold it. Earl has an inner life. I've never seen this before. <laughs> like there's never like any inner monologue. Huh? What are the ethics of this? Like nothing like that. You know, it's just like Earl did this, you know? Uh, and when he, when he, when he pulled a little of that off, it really caught me off guard. <laughs> I was expecting depth. Well, I think we're hitting the time space continuum, Bob. Hey, um, it's been fun. I, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I mean, I was going to tell I, you've had some great guests and I really enjoy the show. I really enjoyed the Steve Perrin episode. I just re-listened to that uh, last night, actually. Um, and uh, I, unfortunately, I missed meeting him ever at North Texas RPG Con. I, I think there was one where he ran Superworld and I didn't get to be in the game. And I, I regret that so much. He seemed really nice. He was. Um, what's funny is the uh, <laughs> he didn't realize he could just let calls go to voicemail. <laughs> so you get these spam calls. He knew they were spam calls. But he felt <laughs> the need to answer every single one of them. I remember. Explain to them. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know we got to go. I really enjoyed hearing him. I loved him talking about Superworld because my roommate had that yeah. and i remember i remember thinking i don't think i could recreate marvel comics with this the no. scaling wasn't right and but i i really enjoyed him saying it wasn't meant to it's its own thing and like when he said that i'm like yeah it was its own thing you know what i could play this now i want to play it now you know so anyway thanks for having him on because that was that was cool and boy it's one of the last opportunities right yeah it was pretty wild yeah. yeah, you just don't know. I mean, it's you kind of, it, it's just kind of weird that, you know, um, I'm not even, I think it was just a fluke that I noticed that he was, I think I, I think he signed on to a group I administrate and that's what caught me. So I approved yeah. his entrance into a group. And I was like, oh, maybe I can get him on my podcast. Yeah, yeah. Cool guy. Really enjoyed that. Um, I've enjoyed all of them though. Um, your, your talks about like the intricacies of publishing a book are interesting too. Yeah. Like I know nothing about that. And I'm like, Holy smokes. Maybe I don't want to get involved in that. You can just one step at a time. Start with a zine, 24 pages, work your way up. Cool. It's all scalable. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's been fun to just, you know, just another gamer, but uh, it's been a fun talk. Well, thanks for joining me. I've been I've been actually looking for. I really enjoy your your podcast you, that you and Jeff have. And uh, thanks. And I, you know, it's kind of, you know, the the uh, the um, um, that one Facebook post where we just realized we we're uh, mutual um, <laughs> admirers of each other. So it's just like, hey, right. You listen yeah. to my podcast. It's like Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny, man. Yeah. yeah game gamer pod gaming podcasters unite yeah exactly okay right, well you man. take care bob bye well thanks again for coming on yeah you're welcome it's been fun talking uh it, it's um i i haven't gotten enough gaming talk in lately actual speech rather than typing and uh yes yeah, it's, it's it's super fun yeah yeah, I, I, the thing with Steve Perrin, like, I just felt horrible because, like, he, his wife had been so sick. 
And I like, I, I mean, I had helped out with them a few times, just, I don't even know him, but I'm like, these guys just like spend his whole life writing games and making probably no money. And um, I don't know. I just felt a real connection to that. Yeah. Nice guy. Yeah. Oh, he was, he was that guy. uh, Tim was exactly what I thought he would be. hat on and stuff like that well, was a trip well, man he was well, really you said a... that i got him on so i was asked to have him on okay and so i had a, a friend asked me to have him on because he's has the he has the um company that's publishing tim's game okay he's one of the partners would you get him on and i'm like sure and then when i dealt with him via facebook <laughs> The messenger, he was like, I try and get a time, and he was just like, Oh, I don't know. Uh, Sunday, that's Super Bowl. Well, okay, how about this? What good would that do us to do it then? I'm like, dude, I have got a job, I've got a podcast, I do publishing, I'm doing you know some other work. Throw me a bone. And then the other guy was like, um, I forgot his name, I can't be frozen. He's like, We'll take this offline. We got it set up. So it was like immediately angry, but I, I mean, I was kind of perturbed. Like, why am I going through this? But then when Tim, so have you, have you watched the video portion of it? Uh, I haven't watched all of the video. I've watched quite a lot of it though. Oh, so if you watch the video part. Okay. So that was the whole thing. So when he came on, my only experience <clears throat> with him was the, the grumpy crabby <laughs> messenger. So when he started talking, I started laughing. I just, he was just funny. I just found the whole thing funny. I found him charmingly. He was very charming, um, curmudgeon, and it was just yeah. it came across immediately. It's yeah. It was like, well, I will. I, people should do whatever they want, but they should do it my way too. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. you know that kind of thing. And then like I, I this happened because you know, I mean, you're like in a lot of Zoom meetings and stuff too. But like, I really liked the camera angle where he was like really low, like he was like. <laughs> It was pretty cute. It was pretty cute. He was pretty upset because what happened was he, he the guy that, um, I forgot the guy's name that was on me with me, he, he forgot to tell Tim and didn't tell him till just before the podcast, hey, we got a podcast. So he had to, he had to leave his supper. So that's why he was all cranky. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, uh, you really, you really stepped in a big pile with that one almost, but it was, so it was you, worth it. watch the first the first portion of it, the first 10 minutes is your five minutes. Keep that in mind. And that's what would have had to happen. I really, I really enjoyed the, uh, like the sort of grumpiness and, uh, you know, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm glad people are gaming, but we did it better. Kind of like, it was just, I mean, cause like the truth is like, I mean, I admit like I, there's a little bit of that in me, you know, like, I, I'm glad people are gaming like I and I'm not going to criticize anybody's style. Really, it's just like there's a lot of them. I can't like I was like, yeah, I couldn't play with that group because the way they do it is just not my thing. Well, yeah, my problem with him was more going the the, the edge of of. Um, they're not smart enough to write their own adventures or they're not. You know, it's like, oh, well, that was that was what? that was harsh. Yeah. yeah, it's like, well, let's just wait a minute. I don't necessarily like writing adventures. I don't want to have to come up with all this stuff. I want to be able to open a book and be able to run it without having to spend three hours trying to make sense of it. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it needs to, like if you're going to publish something, it's uh, yeah. It, it's yeah. I'm paying you to figure it out. I'm not paying for me to figure it out. That's a, that's the reason. <laughs> like I I write my own, and like if you look at my notes, they all look like crap. Like it's just like I mean, I have. I have like it's spread over multiple notebooks and online. Yeah. And, um, you know, this happens all the time, man. Like, cause like, like I want every game to be really, really good. I never, like, I, if, if I feel like I'm going to just phone it in, I call the guys and say, let's, let's postpone. <laughs> and I, so I don't I, think you should, I don't think you should do that. Just, just play. Let, well, I, like I said, my players are good. They will make it good. That's what's it's all. It's, it's always in here. Yes. Always yes. In here. I've been there and I found, I don't apologize. There's times where like, I'm not prepared. I, I don't really have anything good. And I found those have been some of the best games and it had nothing to do with me being me skillful coming up with stuff. It's just whatever they brought, they brought more than I, what I was deficit in. I think what I would like to do, that's a good idea. I think I'd like to just tell them, Hey, I'm not really prepared. Let's no, let's don't, play do that. Anyway. don't do that. No, don't do that. No, or just, no, no. just, just, just don't tell them. Do never, never. Yes. Cause, cause the thing is my group that's that way, but if you don't tell them, they don't know. And you know what? The thing is my group is, I mean, we're all friends. So if the, if we play for two hours and it sucks, I mean, they're not going to be mad at me. They're going to be like, I mean, if I tell them, yeah, I was kind of winging it. They'll be okay. Let's, you yeah. know, I'll go. You know, they'll, and, the, they'll and it won't suck because they're not they're not there for you. They're yeah. there for everybody. Yeah, that's what they're there for. Yeah. Yeah. Do not, man, do not <laughs> abort. <laughs> just keep going. Just keep <laughs> but, going. Just take the lumps. But and you can always quit or say, all I have is for an hour. Just quit well, after an hour. That's the reason, like um, I mean, for me, this is a short game, but like we we've been playing like two or three hours. And when I say short, like it's because when we started back up as a group playing GURPS, those were really long sessions. Like we started one time when my wife was in Mexico doing research and they came over like Saturday night at seven and we played till like two in the morning or something. Oh my goodness. Um, and, and we, it was, and we did that like three times and it was really fun, but we were playing like five and six hour sessions. And so I really like these shorter sessions. It allows me, I think, to do, a better job as game master yeah. even if we get a little less accomplished because they're really a deliberative group um they you know you like it's very hard to get them into real trouble because they're just like they're really good um but yeah i when i'm working on something like for like the previous month, I'll, I'll, I'm like writing down outlines and ideas and stuff, and I'm not happy. And then we usually play on Sunday and I wake up Sunday morning and I come in here and just, I don't know, it all just comes together and I knock it out and like, and it's, and it's not even that complicated. No, I get it. Yeah. Well, I, I better get going. I think we got, sounds like we got company. Yeah. I need to go back and see how my wife's doing and enough told she broke her elbow the other day so. what you need is one more thing to go on right <laughs> I, I, I well what i don't need her is to start is to get as she says hangry so we oh, need to make we don't sure want she, that yeah no that's a bad the rest of the day will be bad all right jeff I, thanks man hey thank you bye, bye.